0: Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> well, it's Sunday here. I don't fucking know what day you're dealing with, <laughs> but it's Sunday here. Sundays, Sundays are for memories and bacon. And we've done Sunday Day too. That's, that's one of the first episodes, I think, right? Season one. Sundays are from memories. Bacon. Always bacon. Even Sunday Funday was with bacon. <laughs> I know everybody likes bacon, but is anyone else really weird about it like I am? Like I I still haven't gotten that tattoo that I want. Did I tell you guys about the tattoo that I was going to get? You know, like those like, you know, like the I love mom like pirate like tattoos, like old school the heart, like mom, like going through it, like with a ribbon, well, the ribbon around the heart would be more like a strip of bacon and it would be like, I heart bacon. (laughs) Or maybe it's just because I talk about how much I love bacon so much that I feel the need to continue and to just grow my obsession and my admiration and to display it. Because I want people to say, th- it's like a novelty now, right? It's like a part of me is like, oh, Jazz, she fucking loves bacon. <laughs> Maybe. It would not surprise me if that was where my mentality lied. Anyways, why do I love bacon? I am convinced that my love and obsession with bacon 100, 1000% originated from Memories and pure nostalgia growing up, like the smell, the process. There is a process you should learn. If you don't already know, I will teach you. The art, there is a skill of cooking bacon. It's almost like a meditation process, right? The smell, like the tradition of my dad in the kitchen, black and white, like fucking two by two TV in the corner, the stooges and bacon. <laughs> he would have a time. Sometimes there'd be music all the way out in the living room. That would be on too. So it'd be the big living room where the music was and then the giant dining room in the middle and then the kitchen on the other side of the dining room. like but the and so the music would still just kind of like carry through. He would still have that TV on. And that little galley kitchen held the vibe. Like you could cross over, like you would feel it. You would cross over into a different world, like going in and out of the open doorways. Like you could hear him. You could always hear him laughing to himself or chatting, you know, about who knows what to whoever was in the kitchen with him or not. Like the kitchen... If we had company, or family over the kitchen was always packed beyond capacity with him cooking. You know, when we had company and the conversations that were had in those times, if you were there, you you know, and that's definitely a memory that you'll never forget. If you think for a moment, you think for a moment about your personal life and you your past or now and a kitchen. There's always going to be a specific kitchen that pops into your brain first. There usually exists a memory for each of us that recalls a kitchen and a kitchen and the light in the kitchen. It's different. It's the kitchen, the the light in a kitchen is different, right? That light stands. On its own, in my own personal memories, everyone remembers the light that came in through the kitchen windows on a Sunday morning. And our kitchen was definitely no exception. If you were ever company in our home, you knew the rules of Johnny's kitchen. Anything goes as long as you were willing to wait for it. (laughs) Each person, each individual person, he never made anyone anything at the same time. Everyone, Everyone's meal was made individually. Each person had the option of choosing from a menu that existed only in his head. And it often would change from person to person. So the options that were offered to me were not, off, were not the same options that were offered to you. <laughs> he fucking thrived off that shit. I can hear his chuckle. At this moment, as the dish was selected, so somebody would tell him what he wanted, and he would like turn with a clap and like rubbing his hands together, like like a little like shuffling off and disappearing into the kitchen. (laughs) That kitchen was his soul room, it was his soul room, and a song. A song here in, in the background. It's a, it's a song that, you know, instantly makes me jump to the thought of another person, not my dad anymore. And let's remember the fact that I'm a lover, not a liker. <laughs> and I'm saying that right now, because we're going to go into a lot of talk about love right now, I think, and I don't want it to be exaggerated. <laughs> The men that I have loved, loved with, uh, I've always loved them with the level of ability to love that I have had at that time in my life. So it changes. It's not that I love them less or love them more. It's that I evolve. My level and capacity and ability to love changes each time. Right, loved with the definition of what I perceived to be love at that time. Right, because everyone, like you, as you as you grow, as you get older, your perception on what love and different types of love are that changes. The definition and your perception on what love is changes. Anyways, I have loved and I have lost, and I say that in hindsight with all the gratitude in my soul. <laughs> what, I, what I've learned, though, is that love comes in, in many shapes and forms, and this one that popped into my head, the one that I speak of right now, uh, was the shortest relationship, yet very significant one of my life to date. Definitely to date. Um, when I when I wrote these points, anyways, to date. There might be another now, but we're talking about the one before. <laughs> I've mulled this relationship. I have mulled this one over and over and over in my head for a very long time. And as I've forgotten. I've forgotten about this relationship, right? It's it's not forgotten, but I've moved on. You know, from other, I've moved on from other relationships that I held much longer, like ones where I fucking had children, practically married. I've moved on from relationships with many more ties and memories than I had with this, this man. But over the years that I tried to figure out the hold and the connection and the reason why I couldn't shake this one, why this kind of love was so so hard for me to move on from. My connection to this man and and what I figured out is it rolls back to my dad. I know entertaining the thought, so I'm talking about my dad, and then all of a sudden I'm talking about a man, and now I'm talking about my reason, my connection to this man was because of my dad, okay, buckle up, okay, so now we're entertaining the thought that this man, who obviously I didn't have a father-daughter relationship with, okay, in any way, and that my love for him had something to do impartially in relation to my father. That sounds fucking weird, right? But <laughs> that's that's where I land. <laughs> and this is where we're going with it cause if you knew both of them, you no one can deny the similarities. Between the two of them, though, and being, you know, being able to stand back completely uninvolved and no longer in contact with this man now, I can look in as an outsider and see the creepy, clear pull and draw was because of my dad. The humor... The their posture, their, like, just, you know, physical attributes, the constant irony of something always going wrong when they started a project and the way that it always worked out. But only if they took the long, hard road to the finish line. (laughs) The kitchen. The fucking kitchen. The kitchen where the magic happened. Like, the same with the same. It's aside from you know, a canoe and the open water, this man's soul also came to life in the kitchen. He could pull a menu from his subconscious and create it from his gut, and it was always fucking magic. Like, so good. Like, like my dad. My relationship with this man was true based on what I needed it to be not because it was real. Does that make sense? Based on what I needed it to be. It was nostalgia. It was healing the past and rebirth all at once for me. It was one of the most compelling connections. So, And the most, one of the, biggest connections for me was the eyes. One of them had blue, the other had brown, but that twinkle, the fucking twinkle with the shadow behind it was unmistakable. Even as a young kid, even as a child, I sensed it from my dad. I could see it. I was always, my mom used to tease me and and still makes fun of me to date how I was always worried about my dad. I never liked leaving him alone at home if we all went out. Or, even, you know, always asking, is he going to be okay? Is dad going to be okay? He's going to be so sad if we all go, mom, like, can't, you know, can I stay with dad? She would fucking laugh. Say, fuck him. <laughs> he was happier than a pig and shit, she would say, being home alone with no kids. But I... I remember it even as a kid, that shadow behind the twinkle. And I can, you know, that's what it meant when I was younger. I think I saw his sadness. I always did. And the laugh, Oh my God, the laugh. Is there anything in this world that can make you fall completely and fully in love with a soul because of the way that their laugh rings through your body? All kinds of love happen here in this feeling. And these two men are no exception for me, not a person in my dad's life. Every single one's first memory of him will be his laugh and his smile. And the first time I heard this man's laugh, I was like, fuck. (laughs) So so obviously I did anything I could to make him laugh, (laughs) which wasn't hard because most days he thought I was a fucking riot, even when I wasn't. (laughs) So it was pretty easy to make him laugh all the time. And I did it every chance that I could get because in turn, it made me so happy to see him happy. He truly loved me for everything that I was. As is, no change is required. And this is where it starts to get fucking tricky because here's where the healing took place for me. All my life, I waited to feel or hear pride coming from my dad directed at me. I truly only retain one or two like semi like memories where this might have been the tone. (laughs) Like the tone. I don't recall the words ever being said to me. And that's pretty fucked up, you know? And you don't realize, not until you're older and raising your own kids, when you realize how much something like that can affect you, right? But this... This man, this relationship that I had with him every day, he told me how incredible and strong he thought I was. And he admired the mother that I was to my children more than anything. He told me how proud he was of me. You know, he made me feel like I was literally the coolest (laughs) and the sexiest. And at the same time, he nurtured that child in me by letting me know that I was the prettiest girl in the class every fucking day. In the short time that we were together, he filled, filled every void, every hole. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Rewind that. Rewind that. Okay, I'm going to say that again. He filled... Every longing (laughs) that I had pertaining to every male relationship in my fucking life. Right. And that's because facts, our male relationships are significantly impacted and derived from the relationships that we have with our fathers. It's in 18,000 self help books, it's a fact but i denied this i did i was a heavy in denial you have daddy issues kind of girl for a really long time i denied this for my entire life <laughs> maybe up until this moment <laughs> oh god my poor ex my ex ex my poor ex baby daddy fuck he used to say it to me all the time fuck i would lose my shit Tell me that I had daddy issues, I would fucking snap. (laughs) Anyways, this man, he is so responsible for so much healing, but, and he's gonna be mad at me. If you're listening to this podcast, don't be mad. Stop shaking your head at me right now (laughs) because he doesn't like it when I build him up this way. But at the same time, these were the facts in those moments, in those days, these are the fucking facts. I'm not a God, Jasmine. He would say to me all the time, because that's how I would look at him. But at the same time, it's not fair because he would call me a goddess, and he would treat me that way more than not. And he just couldn't accept that back. Could you? <laughs> it wasn't um, it wasn't until long. You know, after the relationship was over, until long after the relationship was over, that I came to most of these conclusions, like the whys, the lessons, the connections. Our relationship boiled down to the tried, tested, and true that everyone comes into your life for a reason. It doesn't matter that I've moved on. It doesn't matter that I'm happy, that I'm content, and that I see those reasons. You still hold places for these people in your hearts. And, and our reason, the reason that we came into each other's life was, was love and healing on both ends, I'd like to think. Everyone who comes in and out of our lives makes and has an impact on who we are as individuals obviously some more than others, like I feel that way about my parents and my children and a very few certain souls in my life. He's one. When it was done, when I finally realized it was done, I fought for closure for a really long time. I had difficulty in releasing that attachment to him for all the reasons that I've listed, that his relationship was so fucking important to me But that need for closure, I know now, like I now know the reasons why it was purely driven by my ego. It wasn't because of the love or that I needed him. It was because of my ego and my past trauma of losing my father the way that I did and how much they resembled each other and that they were the same Losing one meant losing the other, and keeping one meant keeping the other. I remember calling my sister one night, unable to speak between sobs. Unable to fucking speak, I told her. In between, I was like, when it fucking hit me. I remember her sitting very patiently on the other end of the phone because I just called him this, I just cried probably for like three minutes straight. And then I was like, I, (laughs) anyways, that I thought it, it came, it came down to me. It hit me. I thought that if I could keep this man and save this man, then I could save our dad And then I couldn't do it without closure because my subconscious identified them as the same. I held them so closely linked to each other. I was like, fuck that. Am I doing that shit all over again? So I grasped and I squeezed and I held on with everything that I could, everything that I had, like mauling and smothering their existence like in my hands. (laughs) like George from Looney Tunes comes to mind. But then came like the understanding that that connection will be with me for life, that I didn't need to strangle them and force them to stay in order to hold them with me through my life. In reality, Releasing that strangling hold on both of them, releasing them was my moment of truth. As you know, I would not be here. This version of me, we would not be speaking, living this truth without the death of my father turning my life upside down and shaking that shit up. And I'm not sure that this book or this podcast, it would not be being written right now if I hadn't met this man. All those moments that I talk about wishing that I could have with my dad, the debates, the conversations, the mulling over certain topics, I had them with this guy. But his points, his viewpoints, his head shakes, his laughs all rang true to literally what my dad's would have been. That's closure. I've spoken in the ways that he healed me and parts of me, and I didn't even know we're broken. I met him in my prime, so I thought I was, but he saw more. And he brought out this version, this woman inside of me that I forgot existed, and he pulled her out, and he let me fall in love with her, with myself. And he made sure that me, myself, and I were fucking madly in love with each other before he let me go. There's, uh, there's a tale of... Odin, the great Norse god. It's one of my favorites and he would he would uh, come to earth from Valhalla to empower women when they needed reminding of their goddess forms and powers and these the Norse women were worshiped for all of their influence and powers of healing and fertility and growth and nurturing the children and the crops if they're women when the women had lost their confidence if the women were weak, so were the sales. so were the crops, so were the number of children they would bear. So Odin would appear and he would ravage these fucking women. He would embody them with their with supernatural like sexual experiences and hypnotize them with his tales and stories of gods and goddesses, which they were born from. And when they stood tall with all that lust again in their eyes for life, then he would leave. He would come in the form of a messenger and a healer, and then he leaves. But he holds that sadness in his eyes. They say that he had a sadness in his eyes for he loves them all, but he can never keep them and he can never stay. I'm not a god, Jasmine, he would say, (laughs) but he would call me a goddess every day. Like I said, there was a point in my life where I never thought that living, breathing would be possible without either of these men in my life, yet here I fucking am grateful and once again throwing feelings at another man. A new kind of something that I've never experienced, a new perspective on what it really means like this, it's a different level of companionship and passion like I've never known and it makes me feel like I'll never need another for my lifetime, but <laughs> you never know, right? All I know is that I'm loving this man like I've never lost before and I can do that because I see the lessons, because I choose To see the process. Let's break here, guys. I need to fucking process. We'll talk soon.